That Force Radio. That Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wint. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Tom King. I write Batman Bitch. And this is Bat Force Radio. Welcome back to Bat Force Radio, the Batman and DC Comics podcast with no limits. Tonight's roundtable is Bat Force Tom in California. There's a great swell out there today, boys. Great swell. <laughs> Thanks, bro. And the Bat Force Times in New York. <laughs> and I'm Robert in Canada. So you have seen tonight's guest doing pencils, inks, colors, interiors, covers, and everything all over DC, Marvel, Dark Horse, anything you can think of. He's worked on Batman, Superman, The Terrifics, Future Quest, as well as all those great covers on the Golden and Silver Age omnibuses from DC, all the Superman and Batman, all that cool stuff. And I think the reason for those is because he has one of the most recognizable art styles in the game. It has that timeless feel that might remind you of Darwin Cook. Now, all of that said, he is friends with Mitch Garrods, but they say nobody's perfect, so we're not going to hold that against him too much. <laughs> we're currently dragging him away from his work on the upcoming Strange Adventure series with Tom King and that Mitch Garrods guy. Welcome tonight's guest, Mr. Doc Shaner. Hi there. Hey, fellas. What's going on, Doc? So, uh, how's life been? Ah, uh, good. Yeah, been keeping busy, but uh, no, everything's great. Yeah, you've been hitting the con, uh, the con circuit pretty hard this summer. I know. Uh, I I've seen you at just myself at two cons at least this year those are the only two i've done <laughs> that is 100 <laughs> basically speaking that is hitting it hard for me i don't i don't usually do a ton per year uh what area do you live in because the both of the uh, cons that you did were pretty near me then uh, there's the detroit and the uh, toronto ones i'm in michigan oh, yeah okay uh on the on the uh, west side so uh both were decent drives uh that's kind of been my Except for New York coming up. It's been my motto this year. It's sticking somewhat nearby. Oh, you're coming to New York Comic Con? Yep. Oh, yep. that's awesome. I get that. Are you going to have like uh, prints or anything? I don't know. Uh, I just signed on with uh, Comic Sketch Art. Oh, oh my God, God dude. I knew we were getting over there. You know, it looks <laughs> weird seeing you off from that row <laughs> and i was actually <laughs> thinking in toronto like why isn't he over there yet why why hasn't doug uh, brought him over and i i knew it was going to be a matter of time yeah that's uh, that last day at toronto is when we talked about it so damn they're like, like the that's Yankees good of, uh, of the comic art world <laughs> i like the golden state yeah. warriors <laughs> that's great for all of us because it's going to give it's going to give us the opportunity to get so much more like you know there'll be prints and all kinds of things that are going on so that's that's a win-win for everybody yeah exactly that's for me that was the big plus uh there's so much of that stuff that i just never had the time to organize um Mm. and i feel bad because folks are always asking about prints uh i just don't have the time to do them uh but doug's been awesome to work with so far and i'm really looking forward to actually having some things to sell. So. That's super cool. Well, uh, 
Aside from the talking about the the recent stuff, because this is your first time on the show, uh, I wanted to to help people get to know a little bit more about you. Uh, so I want to start off with asking just how how did you get started on your road to what you do? Like what what was that moment that uh, that moment or that thing that made you want to be an artist that you just saw and it's like oh this is what I want to do? Uh, it's tricky. Uh, you know I didn't want to do comic books when I was a kid. I loved drawing and I was really into the newspaper strip and that's all I wanted to do uh, since I was maybe four or five on for a long time. That's all I wanted to do was be a cartoonist. And uh, and then I lost a little interest in high school but kind of came back through comic books. Um, I just kind of rediscovered superhero books and halfway through high school, I think. And uh, that got me interested in drawing again and different kinds of drawing. And yeah, and just comic books in general. I wasn't really all that into superheroes as a kid either. Um, so it was it was that resurgence in high school that kind of got me back in. What was the uh, what was the book or artist that caught your eye that like brought you back in there? Any like specific? Well, I know at first it was because I was so so out of the game. Uh, in terms of what was going on, I know it was it was characters that got me back first. Uh, it was mm. Hulk, you know, just knowing who Hulk is, like everybody does, because even then he was already in the culture. Uh, right. So I had a little bit of knowledge who Hulk was, but getting into Hulk and then the X Men. Oh yeah. Uh, because I remember the cartoon, and uh, I think the movies had just started coming out around that time. And uh, oh man, you're young. Yeah. It's a, I youngish. <laughs> Younger than a couple of us, I think. Or around the same age. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, Hulk and the X-Men. That's kind of how I got back in. And then, uh, you know, after I'd been reading for probably a year or so, uh, I started actually looking at who was drawing the books, who was writing the books, mm. uh, and, and started following different writers and artists that way. Yeah, that's awesome. So when in high school, where did it go after that? Like, you're, you're getting back into the books, you get into the comics... This kind of influencing your drawing a little bit artistically. Like, what? Where'd you go from there? Well, I somewhere I think my sophomore year of college, uh, the there was an ad in the college newspaper that the cartoonist who had been working there forever uh, was leaving. So I applied and I got the job. And uh, nice. It was mostly, you know, I was mostly doing editorial cartoons, which I hated, but it was a job drawing. It didn't have to be. It was a completely different type of drawing than what I do now. Just couldn't be more different and uh uh yeah i did that job for about three and a half years until i graduated and uh after that i i always thought that i'd, I'd kind of work in newspapers even even after getting back into comic books uh wow. newspapers just was still what i wanted to do but when i graduated newspapers had all but died everywhere i spent probably a year or so kind of floundering <laughs> on what i wanted to do till i started you know figuring out how to go about drawing comic books. What, was there anything in particular that uh, led you? Like I mentioned earlier, you do have a very distinct style. Was was there anything that led to the formation of it, or was that just what naturally came from you when when you started doing comic stuff? Uh, I, I think it's just an evolution uh, kind of process. Like I said, the, the drawing I was doing back then was so completely different in every way, and I certainly had artists that I liked, but it wasn't always in a way that I wanted to mimic. It's even now, where I still have artists that I love and pick up everything they draw, but it's not a style that I would try and mimic or or add to my work in any way. It was a very slow, gradual process over the last probably 10, 12 years of coming from a more cartoony kind of humor based 
style to whatever you call what I do now. It is kind of tough to uh, to label your style. Like the the best way you can, I can always describe it to people is like that it's somewhere adjacent to Darwin Cook. Like you do have that that wholesome look to characters and you know a, a, a timeless feel to it. It's hard to date that t- that style of art. Well, thank you. That's I mean Darwin's definitely a huge figure in my life uh, as an artist. It kind of as a person. Um, I think the world of his work. So that, thank you. That means a lot to me. What was your first foray into doing uh, big comics work? Like what was, I don't even know what the first job you got was. My, my first job was part of an anthology at Oni press. Nothing wrong with starting at Oni. Oh no, 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 no way. Uh, I was more than happy. I, you know, I always talk about that job because, I laughed because it was such a weird job. Okay. Especially to be my first job. Uh, not because Oni's great, and uh, James Lucas Jones is who brought me on for it, and he was awesome. The The book was a an anthology of stories revolving around roller derby. I, I laughed because I have no connection to roller derby otherwise. And, uh, you know, I was aware of it at the time, but... I worked, the writer I worked with was uh, someone who'd been in roller derby a long time, but I didn't know her all that well. Uh, so it was a weird job. And it was not only my first job, but I didn't work directly from the kind of scripts I work from now, where everything's written out with dialogue and uh, page, panel, you know, the beats. Uh, this was very much like I, they gave me three or four paragraphs, and I broke it down into a 10-page story. Oh, wow. So it was, it was, in a lot of ways, a very strange gig to be your first gig. Would, would that be something that you would welcome these days, working with uh, with something that loose? Or do you like a more structured... Uh... For a long time, I thought it wouldn't be. Uh, but then in the last year, I did two jobs that were more like that. Uh, the issue of Supergirl I did was a lot more like that, where Mark basically just broke it down into pages. Uh, Mark Andreco uh, broke it down into pages and kind of left it to me to break it into panels and beats and he would he was going to script the dialogue when it was done and uh that was i i was terrified going into it but i it was genuinely a really uh an amazing job and i had a ton of fun doing it and then a little less so but still in that kind of vein was uh batman beyond with dan jurgens uh it wasn't you know he wasn't breaking it down by panel and dialogue for every line, but uh, he really gave me a lot of freedom to kind of tell the story how I wanted to. So it was a blast. We're still pretty recent. A lot of people might just be learning about the Strange Adventures book that that you've got coming up with Tom and Mitch. Uh, How did that one come about? Who's uh, it's, it's obviously very fitting with Tom's history of the characters he's taken on for stories. Uh, how did that one come about, uh, particularly on your end? Uh, for me, like I know there was a lot of talk between Mitch and Tom before the idea of me joining came along. Uh, you know, them trying to figure out what they wanted to do after Miracle. And I think Tom had two or three characters that were kind of on his at the top of his list this kind of book and then they decided on adam strange for bringing me on uh but i just i realized talking to mitch yesterday 
that we've been talking about this book for almost a year now. Uh, and that, that year completely flew by. Uh, it was about a year ago. Mitch came to me after some weekend where he and Tom had been talking about it. And he pitched me the whole book before <laughs> telling me that he wanted me involved. Uh, he was just, I, you know, as a friend and fan, I was just listening to my friend talk about this next book he was doing. And uh, he mentioned that they talked about it and they had the idea of having me come on and, and draw half the book. That's awesome. I don't know if it's uh, the sort of the idea of what the book is going to be, but from some of the art that we saw right when this was announced, it looked sort of like you and Mitch were doing both your own takes on the same sort of image like you were doing like, you know, the, the, that, you know, wholesome looking take on the character. And then Mitch was doing like a more fucked up and, you know, crazy looking uh, take on the same image. Now, is, is that sort of part of uh, the, a theme that's going to be going on through the series or was that just what you were doing for that? That yes. And no, mostly. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's very close. Uh, to what the idea is, it we I'm trying to remember how now how we we pitched that cover because we knew from the start that there would be two covers to every issue, and that he would do one and I would do one, um, and we talked early on about you know are we going to make them connect? Are we going to make them play off each other? Are we just going to do our own thing? And we decided pretty early on that at least with the first issue, we would kind of do the same thing, but with different lenses. Uh, so that's very much the idea. Uh, I can't remember who pitched the, the idea of, you know, Adam kind of standing there from a low angle and, and everything. But I know it was a lot of back and forth between Mitch and I, like he would do something and I would come back with something and it kind of went back and forth there for a while. What's the um? What can you like share for people who might not be aware of what the kind of pitch of the story is that you can share, not giving anything away? We are telling a story about Adam Strange and and Alana uh, and their life as they come back to Earth from Ram. And Adam has written a book about his time out in space. That's, that sounds awesome. And just out of, <laughs> just to be safe, that's all I'm going to say for now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was, yeah. Just don't, you know, play it safe. You don't want to get in trouble. We don't want to get you guys in trouble. But what's really cool that, like, it seems that this will be a version of that is, like, what Tom has been able to do, like, in the, in the last several, you know, first he did it with um, Vision and then he did it with uh, um, Mr. Miracle. Um, he's doing it with a major book with Batman. And then now, like, with these characters, the obscure ones, it's cool. Is like he's really humanizing these characters. So it's yeah. cool to see, like, you know, when, when do you read a comic book about a character that, like, writes a book about his travels and comes back? And that's, like, the idea of the, of the book. You know what I mean? So, right. Yeah, exactly. And it's going to be cool. I, I was excited to work with Tom again anyway, just because I had such a good time on that Green Lantern issue we did. But... Just generally, like where I'm at right now, creatively speaking and career-wise, I, I was excited to do something completely different. And that's what this is definitely going to be. 
Yeah. Uh, no matter how it ends up, this is going to be really different. And I'm, I'm just really excited about it. It's nice to see that um, it's an obscure character that's getting highlighted, not just like a Batman or a Wonder Woman. It's, it's you know, um, taking characters that haven't really gotten the attention that they kind of deserve, even though they have like a pretty wealthy history in comics, um, bringing them to the forefront. And, uh, you know, which is why Mr. Miracle was so awesome and also Visions. But um, what's is this going to this is going to be a, um, is this going to be the 12 or six issue? Uh, 12. 12. Yeah, this awesome. will be the same kind of format as Mr. Miracle and Vision and so on. Totally cool. Yeah, man, it, I really, I'm really glad to see them actually um, giving uh, these characters some light like that. And I think with the success of Tom doing the, you know the similar stuff with the other guys, I hope that this just continues happening. You know, like you guys are able to kind of um, use this as a jumping point for um, other characters that aren't getting the attention that they deserve. You know, like it's really awesome to see. Yeah, I agree completely, and it's. You know, like you mentioned, we couldn't do this kind of thing with Superman or Wonder Woman, who I'd love to work on both those characters again, but we have so much more freedom uh, with somebody like Adam, Uh who, while he's a bit further down the rungs uh, in terms of, you know, cultural popularity, (laughs) uh, we have so much room to work with now to really do something new uh, and different that I don't think we'd be allowed to with Superman. Yeah, it's a great point. Yeah. Because, you know, for a certain, for a certain audience and to a certain extent, there's, um, characteristics of like the major, the major characters that you kind of have to stick to and you can't stray too far off because, you know, you got to have them on the lunch boxes. You got to have them in the movies. (laughs) So you can't have them do these crazy things, even though, uh, Zack Snyder was able to do it. Who the hell knows how that happened? But um, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's uh, there's rules. You know, like Superman's got rules, Batman's got rules, Wonder Woman. Like you got the Holy Trinity. You got to stick to the rules of those characters. Whereas the, these guys, like the more obscure ones, it's almost like a playground that they're kind of like letting you go. It's like, all right, yeah, just let us know what you want to try, and if it's not too crazy, have have you guys come up with that at all? Like, I'm not sure how far along you are in the series, but with what you've done. Um, has editorial like made any notes of like, dude, you can't do that. Like, no, there's no way we're going to be able to show that. No, uh, it's, it's been almost completely hands off. I think because they trust Tom, they trust Mitch, they trust the both of them together, uh, almost, you know, completely. And I've, I've got a decent track record. (laughs) So (laughs) you haven't pissed anybody off yet. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's at least generally easy to work with. Um, right. So uh, the three of us together, they, they've been very hands-off. And I, to my knowledge, there hasn't been anything yet that they've said no to. Does that make you itchy to kind of try something crazy? Or does it um, make you feel like, oh, my, I got I to toe the line to make sure I don't do anything that nuts? Oh, I, I'm, Mitch and I are both doing something completely different for both of us. Uh, it's, it's pretty wild. And... Uh, even before this book, they've the I've been doing the covers for Flash Forward, uh, Wally's miniseries, and they've been so awesome up there about letting me try some new stuff with those covers. I when I when they offered the gig to me, I said I would love to, but I I would really like to try some new stuff with these covers. I feel like I've gotten into kind of a cycle where I'm just doing the same thing over and over again, and uh, they were completely awesome about it. 
That's awesome. So this is flash forward is when uh, Wally's coming back into. He's getting his own book, right? Is that what that is? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. Six issue mini. Holy crap, that's cool. So basically, everything that people were wanting to kill Tom King for, they're now getting like uh, <laughs> little gifts from him, I guess. <laughs> no, they'll uh, just the public. <laughs> that's kind of a genius move. You make him hate you, and then you make him love you. <laughs> right. Yeah, we love Tom, though. Like, um, we've joked with him before about how he has to have a bodyguard at conventions and how, um, you know, like the online Twitter crowd, like, uh, send him death threats and all this stuff. Like, it's just crazy how uh, he's found a a niche of 16-year-old girls who, like, one week they absolutely love him and the other week they want to fucking kill him. So um, (laughs) we look forward to seeing you kind of uh, folded into that as well. So, (laughs) yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna start getting some of that too, right? As long as I don't go near Batman, I think I'll be okay. <laughs> oh man, yeah, right. I, I love well, the I mean, idea of uh, a group of creators that ha- that know really know each other and have a good relationship working together on on a project like this. Because so many times you can talk to you know whether it's uh, talking to an author, you know, asking them, oh, what was it like to to work with this legendary artist or vice versa. And they'll say, Oh, I, I've never even met him. You know, I sent him the script and and he drew it and, and that was it. Or sometimes you get even worse. Oh yeah. I, I tried to give him some input on, you know, what I thought we could do with the story. And he didn't, he didn't want to hear any of my ideas. So it, it's cool to see uh, a book coming from three guys that do actually know each other so well and, and interact with each other. And, you have to expect that good things are going to come of that. Yeah, for sure. I, like I said, it, I think this book came along for me at just the right time. Uh, I'd spent the last year kind of hopping from book to book. And I've been extremely fortunate over the course of my career to work with some writers who I genuinely admire and respect. And I think are awesome folks, but so often I don't actually get to work with them it's you know it's usually the script is handed to me fully formed and uh i work from it but i don't really get to talk much with the writer but and have a back and forth about what we're doing uh especially on these ones where i'm just doing fill-in issues or one-offs or what have you um and i was i was definitely getting to a point where i was like i really want to work with somebody and kind of dig into to a character for a little while um so this book came along at the exact right time for me. That's awesome. Yeah, it's you're getting to kind of expand your artistic, uh, you're flexing your artistic muscle in more ways than just one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Have you ever um, have you delved into um, like have you ever thought of just writing? Because uh, I know sometimes artists like to do that too, is put the pencil down and you know just kind of exercise their story mode and just kind of do that for a bit. Have you ever thought about that? Oh, for sure. It's like I, before I got into comic books, my plan was to write and draw everything myself. Uh, it's only once I got into working on superhero comics that it, it turned into the, the 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 conveyor belt kind of process where everything is moved from one person to the next down the line. Yeah. And uh, I I'm not sure if I want to do it on superheroes. Really, I I don't know how much like from a writing standpoint. I would really have to add, uh, but you never know. I could, 
I say that now, and you know, next week I could be all jazzed about some pitch. Who knows? But yeah, uh, I, I've got a couple ideas in my back pocket for the day when I'm not working on superheroes anymore. But uh, we'll see. I don't know. So, uh, like, w- would you see yourself uh, maybe do- working on some creator-owned stuff that you were writing and drawing in the future? Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. One one of my dream gigs. I don't know if any of you guys are. <laughs> It's always hard to tell who is and who isn't familiar with it. Do you guys know Encyclopedia Brown? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right. That's uh, one of my dream gigs has always been to adapt uh, a bunch of those books for kids uh, to comics and uh, that kind of stuff. I I definitely, I've been getting the itch to do some, some kids books or just other markets. You know, Uh, I, I love doing the superhero stuff and I love the fans of superhero stuff and getting to talk with people about this stuff. But I've definitely been itching to, you know, kind of see what other markets are like. It's cool to see like the guys that are doing these superhero stuff, put that down and then go and do like something completely different. That is just a crazy story. And, um, they do it so well. And then it just makes you realize, damn, this guy is like a great storyteller just in general. Like he doesn't need capes or anything like that. Like, as long as you give him, you know, a playground, he's going to give you something awesome. It's really cool to see. We love seeing that. So, yeah, we what, had yeah, a, a little while ago. Uh, you know, he wrote uh, obviously under the Red Hood and Green Arrow and all kinds of stuff. You know, years ago uh, for DC, mm-hmm. and more recently, he's doing a series of his own uh, kids books as well. Yep, exactly. Who's somebody else is doing kids books too? It's like um, I like oh, man. Is it um, who did Identity Crisis? Oh, uh, Meltzer? Yeah, Brad Meltzer does like a, a line of like kids' books where oh, they're like uh, about in the historical oh. figures, right? Yeah, him and uh, Chris Eliopoulos. Yeah, and it's it's totally for kids. It's it's just getting kids to, it's it's getting kids to learn about historical figures. Genius, mm-hmm. like super super cool. And he said he was inspired by his kids. Yeah. Uh, yep. Well, yeah. One day we're going to have Tom King doing kids' books, and he's going to fuck those kids up. <laughs> <laughs> Man. PTSD. Yeah. PTSD and all this other shit. He's going to have kids tweeting him. <laughs> yeah. Mr. King, why would you? How could you? What's funny is when, when I was in San Diego this year for Comic-Con, I talked to uh, a guy who he's, he's like a, an up and he, he's, in the, he's in the industry already. But one of his main gigs is that he draws the comics and I can't remember what team it is. I want to say it's like it's a, a baseball team on the East Coast. I can't remember which one. But no, it's a hockey team. It's a hockey team on the East Coast. I can't remember which hockey team. But he, he draws the official comic book for the hockey team that they hand out to kids at every home game. So so he like his job is to, I mean it's insane because they have home games like I don't know how I don't think it's every home game it's probably like once a month one home game. But um he has he's on a monthly schedule for for drawing these comics and writing these comics and he says he's like yeah you know it's a job but at the same time the way I see it is like I'm putting comic this is probably a lot of the kids first comic. You know, and yeah, it's about a hockey team. But the thing is, is like I'm showing kids like what a comic book is and the art and the story and the fact that like you can take it home and there's a whole other world that you can get into that they might not know about. So definitely noble oh, cause yeah. for sure. For sure. It's, I, I've got a 
I've got an eight-year-old and a three-year-old, and the seeing I went and talked to my eight-year-old's class last year, and those kids are starving for something to read, and you you show them any kind of comics, and they're they're so excited, and it it can be about anything. It doesn't have to be super, you know, like just the the popularity of like Raina Telgemeier's Smile or any other handful of uh, young adult or kids comics and how popular those are. There, there's just, there's an insanely huge audience out there for that stuff. Yeah. It's cool to see it for sure. So you're doing the covers for the flash forward books. Yep. That's awesome, man. Again, another character kind of bringing back to bring them back in there to kind of give them some more, uh, some more attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Wally was always a dream gig for me. It's I'd love to do an actual story with him at some point, but uh, I'm more than happy to do covers for now. Are you going to be doing um, every cover? Yep, I'm on all six. That's awesome. That's cool. I, uh, you you did the covers for uh, the Batman Golden Age. Is it volumes five, six, and seven? I, I think so. I don't. <laughs> I never remember the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was. The, I've done the, so many Batman ones by now, and it's it's hard to remember. It was the the red hood helmet, uh, the Batman Catwoman, and the one I think which is my favorite is uh, where like young Bruce Wayne's looking down like at a newspaper or something, and like the, the cows over him. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Those. I just want to say those are really awesome, man. I love those. Uh, I have them on my bookshelf over here, and uh, I think uh, you really capture the whole essence of uh, like that good old golden age feel when it comes to Batman. Are you doing more, maybe? Omni covers in the future, or are you like tied into this project now? Like, uh, yeah, I'm gonna be doing some. Uh, I stopped somewhere around, uh, you know, early this year just because we'd caught up to what they were actually gonna publish. Uh, mm. I, the end of last year, I did some, I don't even know the number, it was some insane amount <laughs> of covers for, for that line, yeah, and we, we got. We got past Christmas, and they're like, all right, well, we're done for now. <laughs> uh, wow. we, we, we got up to what we're actually going to publish in the next year. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, I took a break, and uh, I actually just today, uh, yeah, just today, um, I'm turning my uh, cover for the Aquaman Silver Age Omnibus Volume 1. Oh, that's awesome. And then I think after that, I'm back to Batman. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, it's good to know they're continuing with that line as well. So that's uh, are are they doing like Bronze Age stuff too, or more silver? Do you know, or is it like a lot of golden still? Yeah, I think after uh, I don't know the exact plan. Um, they because they have been putting out some Bronze Age stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, during this time, but I know there was definitely way more of the silver and golden age stuff that they could uh, print, and uh, I know there are plans to do some more. Uh, not obscure, but harder to find uh, Bronze Age stuff. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. How does the process for that work when um, it's like a cover for an omnibus? Is it like, uh, do you submit like an idea? Do they tell you what they're looking for? How does that? How does that come about? The way we've been doing it for the last year, uh, the editor will send me. Uh, he'll he'll tell me what issues are included in the volume, and he's gone through and picked out a couple stories or covers that he thinks are standouts in that volume. Or, you know, for the folks 
who are definitely going to pick up that volume anyway, or folks who may be, you know, let's, you know, if it's some new Batman reader and they want to find out about this stuff, uh, they'll go through and find the stories and covers that are iconic or thought to be more essential to, to the readership. And uh, he'll point those out to me and kind of show me the covers. And like with all those Batman covers you mentioned, uh, a lot of those were based on some of the older covers. Uh, when I can, and it fits without context, I like to be able to take inspiration from those old covers mm. because some of the, some of them are so strong and uh, to be able to just take it out of that context and put my own stamp on it. Mm. Uh, I, I think that makes for a stronger cover of that kind of volume where you're trying to sell people on some of these older stories. Yeah. You, you filled some big shoes because I think Darwin cook started that line and then you took it over for the covers, I think, right? He wasn't he the one who did the first couple, yeah. I think. You know. Yeah, some of the early uh, it was, work. Yeah, it was Darwin and Mike Cho. Right, and, yeah, uh, Mike Cho. Somebody else too. I'm forgetting wow. somebody. Um, it's it, it's funny that it's the three of you doing those because the I I didn't uh, go this far earlier, but the way I've most often actually on um, i think we just had paul harding on as i told you and i think mm -hmm. uh when your work came up with him uh i told him that i always uh, explain your work as looking like darwin's work and mike cho's work had a baby and, and that was <laughs> what your work looked like. <laughs> mike's mike's awesome I, I love that guy and i've known him forever i i've known him since i was in college and i used to uh, Ben Devere, just about comic stuff. And, and he was so awesome to me early on. And, uh, <laughs> I saw him last year in North Carolina and we were talking and he was, he was being very complimentary to me. And he said something to me about like, yeah, you used to draw like dog shit, but you're awesome now. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, that's, I think that's a compliment, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> Way to go, dude. <laughs> hey, this um, is like not nearly as shitty as it used to be. But I'm glad you're working with DC on these projects because you're kind of aesthetic. Um, like after we lost Darwin to like, we, we need that, this, this aesthetic that everyone loves. I, I can't even, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It, it has that, Timeless. That that timeless, comic strip, optimistic, old world feel to it that everyone just loves looking at. They want prints of it, you know. They, so it's just um yeah. I'm just yeah. It's awesome that you're uh you know they're giving you this specific work to do, and especially with uh these important DC characters that we love because, um I always said like you know I feel like DC, they have their departments. They have the school of Jim Lee with the fabrics and the finches, and then they got like. The realists like Bermare Hose, and then you know they have like the classic guys, and like I think you and Mike Cho are definitely like the classic guys, you know. And uh, I, I'm glad that you guys fill those slots in for DC because uh, it's just so good to look at. You and it never gets it's just that kind of work that you do that like it just never gets tiring to look at. It's just always uh, yeah, like Tom said, it's timeless, so it's good stuff. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Uh, now, when I uh, when I mentioned to you the other day that we had uh, had had Paul Harding uh, back on the show, and I think I think if I'm right, that episode's going up in the next day or two. Uh, you had mentioned that Paul had helped you guys out in some capacity on uh, the Adam Strange stuff. 
Uh, uh, can you talk about what that was? Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, when you when you told me, I, I've only known Paul for a short time now, uh, personally, you know, in the way that we know people online. But uh, Mitch had known him a little longer, and I think had had knew him a little better, and had asked him to build a model for us of Adam Strange's helmet. So oh, we awesome. have a we have a digital model that Paul made for us uh, of because of that fin that damn fin <laughs> from different angles is really a tricky son of a gun to draw and uh, so I don't I don't remember when it happened but Mitch reached out to Paul about possibly making a uh, a model for us and that's it, awesome. It's awesome yeah you can 3D print that bad boy and wear it when you draw. <laughs> right yeah so your wife comes in like and she like looks at you and you like look up from your desk and you're wearing an adam strange helmet <laughs> mitch already sent me a toy gun i got the that's toy awesome. space gun in the mail and i had to yeah. try and explain that one that's <laughs> awesome so you know you make it like hopefully dc collectibles will start making like figures and stuff out of out of the the stories yeah that's all i want right now is an action figure of something i did yeah, man. Oh, yeah. That would be cool. When people react and respond well to stories, like, you know, usually they, they, they pump something out, hopefully. Yeah, the turnaround yeah. time is getting quicker, too. Now and, uh... yeah. Especially with a character like this that, that hasn't had a lot of exposure recently, uh, a high-profile uh, book like this coming along is going to turn on so many new fans to it. So, you know, the, there will be people looking for the older stuff as well and, and being mm-hmm. in the market for, for products like that. Yep. And speaking of the, you know, the omnibuses, that's, we keep pointing people to the, the first volume of the Adam Strange collection. Uh, that's the, you know, we, we've read a little of everything over the years to kind of, uh, inform the, the holistic approach to Adam. But mm. we, when people ask like, do we need to read anything before this? And you know, the answer is no, you don't have to read anything before this book. Uh, the way we're, putting it together but if you want to get an idea of the character in his world that that original collection is the way to go dude i was just flipping through your page and um you also done covers for legion of superheroes omnibus as well mm-hmm. which is uh i love legion superheroes man like it's like another again obscure title that needs a lot more love sure yeah and that looks totally awesome especially now that uh, bendis is doing uh, a mini series on him too Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Or oh my god, you got the Doom Patrol in here. God damn, dude, you got some awesome stuff going on. Um <laughs> is like what's been some of the favorite stuff that you've gotten to draw, like the more obscure characters that you've got a chance to do. That that Doom Patrol cover specifically was a huge treat. That was before uh I knew I was gonna get to do the issue with Gerard and Jeremy. Uh but that cover for the Silver Age? It must be. Yeah, Silver, Silver Age. Um, that was a blast. Because I, I love that original run on Doom Patrol uh, with Bruno Premiani. Uh, and I, I've just, you know, the last few years I've been so psyched about all the Doom Patrol stuff. Uh, so And Robot Man's one of my favorite characters. So. Yeah. I think awesome, that man. Might- I'm glad you picked that one out because that's that might be one of my favorites to do of all those omnibus covers. Yeah, 
I, I think um, one that's, I mean, obviously awesome, obscure, obscure um, series, um, awesome. Like I, the way you're channeling it and that cover specifically is totally cool too. Um, but another one of yours that I really love, I know it's Batman, but uh, the Batman Volume 4 with the uh, Two Faces coin in the background scratched up. Oh, yeah, yep. Yeah, that, that was one's... the. I think that was the first cover I did for them. Uh, and that was definitely a huge... I, I was... When we started doing those, I was kind of unsettled on what exactly I was going to be doing because it was... I knew I was picking up from where Darwin had left off. And mm. I think right around that time, Mike had also said that he was going to stop doing them. Like he'd finished... Not for any reason in particular, just that he had finished what he was going to do. Um, and I really didn't know yet what I was going to do with those covers. If I was going to try and mimic the older styles more faithfully, or if I was going to do my own thing just with this, these versions of those characters. Mm. But, uh, that's, you know, speaking of how the editor presents those books to me, he kind of said when, a certain volume introduces a major character. He'll let me know because usually you want to put that character on the on the cover. And mm-hmm. that that first volume I did had the introduction of Two Face, who's my favorite Batman villain. Uh, so mm. I knew I knew Two Face was going on there. Nice. This was more recent. Uh, you did. Uh, I think this just came out recently. It might have been the latest issue, uh, but uh, Jeff Lemire's Justice League Black Hammer crossover. Uh, you did a cover for that as well, and that was really cool to see. Uh, you got to do that mix of the classic DC characters and Jeff's Black Hammer universe. Yeah, it's that's the first non-strictly DC thing I've done in, in a few years. And it's fun, because I, I, I think The World of Jeff and Black Hammer is an amazing book. Uh, so that was a real treat. A, a treat for everyone to get to to see your take on the characters too. Uh, I would say. Is there anybody that uh, you haven't gotten to work on yet that uh, either like you've drawn just for fun a million times and are just itching and waiting to kind of put them on? The more we put it out there in the universe, it could happen. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, I just like how I've been really fortunate with writers. I've been the, my few years here at DC have been amazing because. I, when I first signed up with them, uh, the DO asked me, like, who are the characters you really want to work on? Who are the characters you really want to work on? <laughs> Dan? <laughs> um, Dan, I, I mean, I'm working. <laughs> you know, Doc, uh, I don't know how you have all this time to do podcasts when you should be on your desk. Oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, no, but Dan, Dan, who has always been really like almost shockingly super nice to me. Um, he, I got on the phone with him and he asked me who I wanted to work on and I gave him four names and I said, Superman, Captain Marvel, Plastic Man and Flash. And to date, Flash is the only one I have left. Oh yeah. Cause you were doing terrifics, right? Yep. Yep. Damn dude. Like, uh, cause Metamorpho was also on my, on my short list after Flash. So uh, that was two birds with one stone. Uh, and I think after Flash, I think I've said Etrigan and Aquaman are two biggies for me. Oh, man. Like, I, I really, if 
even if it's just covers. I really want to get my hands on those. Too. Oh, Etrigan, yeah, that'd be awesome. I love another that. classic, dude. Classic mm-hmm. character. Yeah. Is doing just some covers like that enough to exercise your desire to work on the character, or would you prefer to to get more of a, a chance to do to do interiors? It depends on the character. Um, you know, like with Flash, I'm loving getting to draw Wally for these Flash Forward covers, but I definitely do want to do some kind of, you know, even if it's just a one-off or a three-issue thing, I want to do some story stuff with the Flash. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I've got ideas of how I want to approach that. Yeah. Um, uh, Etrigan, Jeff Parker and I, years ago, uh, we came up with a story pitch for Etrigan that they passed on, which killed us because we loved the story so much but i, I definitely want to do a story with him too uh but I, yeah i don't know there's some of these characters for sure that i've only done covers with and i'm like that's enough i'm good that was i got my fill yeah i mean yeah it's, it's cool man it's cool that you've been able to check so many off your list and uh so how do you do like with that question um covers versus like story um are you the kind of guy that could like you, you do pretty well with like the deadlines, like you're not crushing under them. You like you hate doing stories. You're like you're totally content. And you're doing covers. It's a juggling act. <laughs> yeah. I I love doing stories, but they are like they can be brutal. Um, it's it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know. Mm-hmm. And covers. At first, I you know it's only in the last year or so that I started to get credited places as a cover artist. Like that was my main thing, uh, which was surprising to me because I didn't even think of it that way. Uh, covers just became an easy way to keep money coming in <laughs> between mm-hmm. gigs. Uh, uh, and, you know, and I enjoyed doing them too, but it was it, there. I can usually turn a cover around in two days or so. And, you know, it's a weekend. If mm-hmm. that, um, so it's, it's just a nice way to kind of take a break from whatever I'm working on for my main gig at the moment. With your change to now being uh, with Comic Sketch Art, like, I know in the past you've sort of had uh, that setup that people could just come up to your booth and on the spot uh, get on a commission list. Uh, should people be expecting that to change now with uh, with being with Comic Sketcher? Should people expect to book ahead of time to get on commissions for you? Yeah, yeah, that's how it's... I, 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 my biggest fear about kind of changing over was not being able to just take the commission list like I have been. Uh, but it's the, <laughs> the organization of that has been so huge, uh, at the last few conventions I've gone to where it just got out of control and, uh, being able to have that organization by, by someone else, uh, is, is frankly worth the trade off for me. Um, so I, going forward, it'll be a lot like what Mitch does. Uh, and I, a lot of the artists represented by Doug, um, where I'll be taking a list beforehand. Yeah, you, you've and, got enough uh, to worry about at cons having uh, friends laugh at you when you spill coffee on yourself. <laughs> right. <laughs> 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 yeah. What an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but it, it was, uh, it, it seems insensitive, but it was one of my favorite tweets ever to see uh, after having seen you with the evidence on your clothing. To see uh, Mitch's tweet later that uh, he witnessed you spill coffee, and it was the greatest moment of his life. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch, 
I'm, I'm glad he gets he gets uh, entertainment of other people's downfalls. Yeah, yeah, Just what like, a jerk. Him, him and Clay, man, those two. So smug. Before we let you go, we have a little tradition here called the lightning round. Do it. All right, the first one is New York-style pizza or Chicago deep-dish pizza? Uh, New York, nice. but truly, truly, what I've just discovered is apparently Detroit style. Mm. I've been hearing a lot about Detroit. Hey, uh, what's, oh yeah, what's her, what's her, Paul Dini's wife? What's her name? Uh, yeah, Misty, Misty Lee. Yeah, she yeah. was talking about a place in Detroit that does amazing pizza. So, like, uh, yeah, I got it. It's not deep dish, but it's got like a thicker crust, right? Is it? Yeah, yep. Thicker yeah. crust. It's not a it's, like... it's not a flippant pie, but it's also not. <laughs> cardboard with sauce on it for me and i was you know i was raised here so i i maybe i'm biased but well no i'm definitely biased but i like the the in-between yeah yeah gonna have to try it um out here out here in california we don't get any of that shit it's like it's like a a yogurt vegan non-dairy fucking (laughs) oyster sauce like ugh Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> um, a plain or peanut M and M's. Peanut. Nice. nice. Um, if you could have dinner with w- one human being that has lived throughout history, any human being, who would it be? Ah. Uh. Jim Henson. Oh, oh nice. Cool. I like that one. Yeah, that's um, is that that's Muppet Babies, right? Muppets. Yeah, the Muppets. Yeah, all Muppets in general. Oh, yeah, Muppets, just... Muppet Babies. Yeah. But also, did he need to do Sesame Street too? He helped out with that. I yep. Yeah, I get yeah. confused between him and the other guy. Um, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Flight. Cool. <laughs> really thought was, about that one. Between, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was between flight and super speed. Yeah. And I think. Yeah, uh. I think just me being an artist under deadlines all the time so I just want to go fast. <laughs> no, I really want to fly. <laughs> yeah. um, the last one I got is, what was the best advice you have ever received and who gave it to you? Don't have accidents in front of Mitch Garrett's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jeez, uh, that's a toughie. Um, you know, it's, Maybe it's a sign of having been in, in the industry for just long enough, but it's not specifically art stuff. It's um, I was talking to, speaking of Darwin, I was talking to Darwin's widow, Marsha, and she wrote me this very sweet email, and at the end of the email she said something about just, you know, spending time with your family. Um, comics will always be there, mm. but, you know, Make sure to take some time for yourself and and be with your loved ones. And that's that's that. I mean, it hit me like a wrecking ball. Yeah. But uh, um, wow. that that really stuck with me. Wow, that's pretty good advice, actually. That's good. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's good. That's that's all I got, Robin. What was the one from our last guest, Robin? Yeah, uh, Tom, do you remember Paul's question? Yeah, Paul Paul Harding uh, left a question for you. He wants to know if you've ever cooked anything in a Dutch oven. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Paul, <laughs> look at Paul Harding. We got on the topics of Dutch ovens <laughs> for a while. We got, got a tangent. Oh, so, <laughs> I mean, one... no, I haven't. What a yeah. weird last question, Paul. Yeah, yeah. Paul. 
Well, I mean, it was. Who it, asked he, the yes or no question for the last? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we 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 were talking about the other Dutch oven for a while, and then I think that just sure. like called back to it, and then asked he sincerely wanted to know if we've ever cooked anything in a Dutch oven. <laughs> An actual Dutch. <laughs> not not at all what I was expecting, and no, <laughs> yeah. Now, um, now the tradition is you have to give us a question for our next guest. It could be anything. So I get to know who it is. Um, um, unfortunately, I don't have <laughs> a concrete answer on who it's going to be because I'm I'm working on some guys that are hard to nail down schedules with. So, like it could. It's a really broad spectrum of people that could be next. It could be Donnie Cates. It could be Todd McFarlane. It's 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 a bizarre lineup of people that could be next. <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of useless tonight. <laughs> Should I try and thread the needle and ask one that could be both Todd and Donnie? <laughs> <laughs> Who is it that asked? That we, we were going to have Chip Zdarsky on. And uh, was it Mitch? Mitch Garrods said... Was it Mitch? Yeah. What's your favorite type of chip, chocolate or potato? <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. That was a really good one. That was a very good one. Uh, Something like okay. that. Okay. I think I got one. Okay. All right. Um, and in the grand tradition of Paul, I'm going to do a yes or no question. Oh. Are hamburgers sandwiches? Oh, oh. That's Dude, that, interesting. That, that's that's that, that's like the uh, Adam Hughes one. <laughs> what was that? Oh, you gotta tell me. Oh, <laughs> well, kind of had to do with food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if, if, you, if you eat ice cream, does it turn into pee or poo? <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're getting into some deep philosophical stuff, man. Yeah, yeah, that's. We did have we did have one actually deep question, and you know you, you're gonna think I'm making this up, but the deepest question I think we ever got from somebody was from Joey Lawrence. Oh God! Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the like the the whoa whoa guy. Whoa. Uh, yeah, his yeah. question was really deep. He asked uh, if you had the choice, you could either live life as a millionaire but only live to 65 or live to be 110 or whatever age he said but live the life of a pauper yeah <laughs> i think uh was it jonathan glapian was like what i gotta be old and poor like fuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i got it the dutch oven yeah, the dutch <laughs> oven. <laughs> thanks paul <laughs> Yeah. yeah, these these questions are like a box of chocolates. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But right Somehow now, they right now, yeah. hard at, Paul is hard at work right now sculpting a Dutch oven. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. That's awesome. It's funny how many how many of these questions have turned into questions about bodily functions. <laughs> yeah, and f- food and bodily I'm not, functions. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I, yeah. I think I think Brad Walker started that with uh with his dog. Oh, that's a good one too. Yeah, that was crazy. That question, it was um, if you his question was, if when you clean up your dog's poop from the street, and you put it in the bag, the heat that you feel is that the 
particles transmitting onto your hand? Or is, <laughs> so are you touching dog poop? Are you actually touching <laughs> <Yeah>. dog poop? <laughs> and that's his fear is that it was getting on his skin through the the bag plate. Yeah. So that because he draws with his right hand, he only picks up the poo with his left hand. Yeah. Yeah, we, oh, man. We, we could eventually Dude, I make had, a coffee I had a guy, table book of this shit, bro. After that episode aired, I had a listener DM me an answer that was like a page long explaining yeah. why. He said that um, the reason that you feel heat is because the molecules from the energy are vibrating faster from the poop. So... <laughs> It's so it's not that you're touching it's not that you're touching the poop it's that you're feeling the vibrations of the molecules and the energy so it's just vibrating molecules so it's not actually like coming into your hand yeah. so <laughs> but I mean he 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 wrote it down much more eloquently in a much longer sure. text yep. yeah yeah poo vibes I get it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is, is that like the speed force <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> poop can, like vibrate through walls and shit. <laughs> <laughs> And, oh, and that, that's probably the longest, most elaborate, like, DM or email we've ever gotten about anything on the show. Mm, and we got yeah. some doozies, too, so that was... <laughs> that was but, um, hey, Doc, man, that, thank you so much for your time and your input and, uh, and all the great work you do in this genre, man. We really appreciate it. And uh, keep up the great work because we definitely love looking at it, man. Yeah, sure thing. Thanks, fellas. This is awesome. Hey, Gotham Dwellers. Make sure to stop everything right now and subscribe to Bat Force Radio. We can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't miss out. Guaranteed to satisfy all of your Batman and DC needs. <laughs> <laughs>